Hi, listeners. This is Colette. Lee and I and the LTFC podcast would like to invite you to the Ways We Are Your Support, Inc.'s third annual Finding Ways fundraiser. This year, join us for Casino Night. We will be enjoying the sounds of DJ Ray and DJ Stefan as we eat, drink, play, and raise money for the local cancer community. Tickets are $50 in advance at ways.givesmart.com. Again, that is W-A-Y-S.givesmart.com. With your ticket purchase, it'll include $500 in casino cash, one drink ticket, and one ticket to our food truck. Our virtual auction begins September 12th and will conclude at the event on September 16th at 8 p.m. There will also be opportunities to purchase Way swag, win really great wine, and other wonderful prizes that have been generously donated. We cannot wait to see you there. Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are your support, so let's talk fucking cancer. to the studio. So happy to be here. Hey, we're so lucky today. We have a guest in studio. Miss Jessie is with us today. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so this is our second spotlight episode and we're shining a light on Jessie today. I'm yeah. so excited to share your story. It's I'm it's such an honor to be here. So oh, well, thank, thank you guys. You. Yeah, thank we're you honored. for coming thank in. You for, yeah, thank you for giving up part of your day. Yeah, and of course we have producer Julia in studio with us. Oh. Producer extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps us in line, guys. I try. <laughs> All right. So, Jesse, how are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while. I haven't seen you in probably a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a couple years. Wow. Probably mm-hmm. before COVID. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, how do you two know each other? Well, um, I, I was trying to remember <laughs> even <laughs> through all the chemo brain things, but um, uh, I was connected with Colette through a nurse, and that's where everything gets really fuzzy for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, like right when I was diagnosed, um, really soon after, I remember, you know, I was kind of pushed through the system, you know what I mean? And of all the different phone calls that I had with different nurses and things like that, one of them was um, this woman whose name I have since learned is Teresa. Teresa. <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> yes. And um Um, But she's like, I have this friend, you know, who's starting this thing who can offer you support. And, and, you know, so she connected me with Colette and got me, you know, that ended up getting me connected with Waze, um, which has just been, you know, a really big support for me. It was crazy. We were brand new. We were a baby company. You were like our second client. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of learning what what we needed to do with ways and sure. and testing it out on you and it yeah. was working you were well. our guinea pig yeah. i was very glad to be a guinea pig yeah that, because we needed it you know what i yeah. mean i i had a very young family and we just didn't have a ton of support and so um we you know ways came in at the perfect time for us so yeah 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 i felt i felt very honored to be able to be there for you during mm. that time especially being so new with ways and not kind of knowing where we were going yet sure. and you really helped me kind of form that idea in my head mm. over around what I I saw lacking in the the cancer world and then what I could help you with yeah so it was really nice yeah I think that makes so much sense too because it's like when you go through it yourself you see kind of what's falling through the cracks, but then right. walking through it with others, right? you know, kind of expands that view even Absolutely. more. So, yeah. Absolutely. Can I ask what, <clears throat> if any, um, services you used of Waze? Yeah. I mean, initially, um, 
They hooked me up with a lot of food. Lots of food. <laughs> um, I mean, I had strangers knocking on the door, giving me food. Like it was just crazy to me that people I had never met and have never since met, you know, signed up yeah. on our meal plan, meal train, meal plan. Yeah. And um, and brought us food for I don't even know how long. Um, and then that kind of transitioned into because I had sent that out, I believe, to my neighbors. Mm-hmm. I had a really supportive neighborhood um, and they sort of picked up for another gosh six eight weeks after yeah. that i remember that i remember your neighbors starting to sign up mm-hmm. and you saying you were starting to meet new people yes. that were signing up through yeah. your neighborhood and stuff so it was it was just a really kind of uplifting to see your community come in yeah. full force for you yeah because we really were we were very new mm-hmm. i mean new-ish we had lived here we moved up here from the bay area and so we were here for maybe a year and right. a half year and a half or so right um but um really wasn't plugged in anywhere right you know and we have a very tight-knit you know kind of cul-de-sac community in our neighborhood and and that experience really kind of drew me in That's you know great. so it was just yeah it's it really pretty great. awesome to see how how strangers can become you know like yeah. family to you and Absolutely. become close to you just from a journey like this mm-hmm. you know that's For what sure. i was going to say is i think it's very cool to hear how <clears throat> just giving um just giving people some sort of avenue to help and yes. jump in mm-hmm. and come together as a community because i think a lot of people want to mm-hmm. but i don't think you know a lot of people know exactly what the boundaries you know like can i just show up and just bring a meal i've never met her before in my life but if you give someone that stepping stone it's so cool to see how you know like you said your whole neighborhood and it was easy as sitting up setting up a meal train on mealtrain.com yeah i set up the meal train we started plugging in and then her husband sent the link out i believe or someone sent the link out to the neighborhood and next you know there's a million people signing up and it was just so it was so nice to see because we as ways wanted to do so much but your community jumped in yeah and it was really really cool to see yeah yeah and and but it wasn't something that i would have said like hey new neighbors yeah can you bring me meals? Can right. you do this for me? Can you come and randomly mow my lawn? Which some neighbor did. Yeah. Like one of our neighbors was like, anytime you want me to come and wash your dishes. I oh. love doing dishes. Please oh. let me do your dishes. And like some guy just randomly came over and mowed our lawn one day. And we're That's like, amazing. all right, you know. Oh. Um, so it really, it just, it it opened the door. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and even above that, even just like it feels sort of in the moment, like maybe that's a simple thing. Like all I'm doing is starting a meal train. But like what you're doing for that person and what you did for me was like you allowed me to be remembered right you know what i mean you allowed right. me like to to feel like i wasn't alone like right. there were people who were who were there you know what i mean yeah, so definitely i will never forget that oh i'm so glad that worked yeah. out good can you share a little bit about your life before cancer yeah um i mean you know we like i said we had just moved up here um sort of the sacramento area from the bay area we had been here maybe a year, year and a half, and and I was what at predicated home. your move? Oh, my husband's job. Okay, he just wasn't like he was. You know, a San Francisco working man, <laughs> like <laughs> gone so much of the time, and his family is up here where we are now, and so it allowed him to kind of have a slower pace of uh, like a different job with a slower pace, kind of like. I go to job or I go to work at this time and I come home at this time like every day. So we had predictability, which was really nice because we had really young kids and we had the support then of his family up here, too. So um, but I had three young kids like right (laughs) right after each other. Like my first two were 21 months apart. And then um, my son was two years, my last third 
son <laughs> was uh, two years after that. And okay. so we, I mean, it was, that was my life was, you know, I was kind of full-time stay-at-home mom. Um, and yeah, How old <laughs> so was your just ba- sort of trying to survive through yeah. that. <laughs> How old was your baby when you got diagnosed or all of your babies, yeah. but I know your youngest. Was. Yeah. So my kid, my kids kind of oldest and youngest were four two. And then my, my youngest was six months old when I was diagnosed. Um, but I was, uh, I, I felt the lump in my breast when I was eight months pregnant with him. What did your doctor say about that? <laughs> um, I mean, I was told, I, I think this is one of the nice things is that I was going to the doctor. I, I was seeing my OB-GYN, right? Like, I don't know how often, <laughs> when you're eight months pregnant, like every so week regularly, at that point, yeah. right? Um, so it was nice that I actually was like, I could go in and I could talk to her about it because otherwise, honestly, I don't know that I would have, you know, went in, gone in. But, um, but she was like, oh, you know, your milk's probably coming in. You might have some sort of clogged duct, whatever. I don't know. Right. Um, <clears throat> and... And she told me to, you know, warm compresses and things like this and stuff. But she wasn't concerned at all. And I wasn't concerned. And I was about to give birth and whatnot. And then when I uh, had my son, the tumor, quote, (laughs) went away. Oh. Um, But in retrospect... Like my breast just got really big. <laughs> like my milk say, actually did milk? come in, gotcha. and and you know what I mean. Like, and I didn't feel it anymore um, oh. until six months later when I did feel it. Wow, you know, and okay. um, and kind of one of the things that was really other than just feeling that in the moment, which you know was kind of frightening that it was still yeah. there. You yeah. know, I wouldn't have had a clogged duct for like eight months, right? But um, was that my my husband's cousin, who was, gosh, 32 yeah. at the time, yeah. um, she had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. She had like six kids. And yeah. um, and I was like, oh, holy crap, like this could be real. You right. know what I mean? Like, and, and how old were you at this <clears throat> point? I was 30. I had just turned, like I literally two days before I turned 36. Two so. days before? I oh, happy birthday. Right? birthday. Oh, my gosh. gosh. I know. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Two days, whatever. Five days. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it was soon. really soon was after my close. Too soon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so but it, it's one of those things we're looking back again. Like I'm grateful. I mean, I think you and I share this with our youngest babies, yes. right? Like these are. If it was not for, for that child, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have found it. Right. I, or if I felt it, I don't think I would have done anything about it. Taking it so seriously. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, young women don't get breast cancer. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and, and my doctor told me because the way that I felt it was I would roll over on my side in the middle of the night, like when I was sleeping, and it would wake me oh. up. It hurt. And, and my doctor doesn't was like, hurt. Breast, ca- breast cancer doesn't hurt. That's exactly what I was told, and mm-hmm. mine hurt too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, so anyway. listeners, listen to your body. Yeah. If it hurts, yeah. Go get check it, it out. Exactly. <laughs> don't listen to that kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Okay? And because you don't want to prolong any of this. I mean, we may not want to know, but you gotta know. Mm-hmm. You gotta know. And, and that that I spent so much of the last few years since then, like feeling really angry at my doctor for not pushing for more. And right. I felt dismissed and all these things. And and there's sort of I've gotten to a point now where I'm like, what happened happened. Right. But but I also like I still really wish 
that I would have done something more. Right. I, you know, you always wish that you knew what you <laughs> know now, now then, <laughs> which is just impossible, yeah. you know, but, um, but I had a really aggressive form of cancer. And so I just thought like, I, it was flooded my mind constantly. Like what size would have this tumor been eight months ago? Right. What stage would have this or would this tumor have been eight months ago? Right. And that just like tormented me for the longest time. So, so how anyway. how did the diagnosis come down? What what took place? Yeah. Um. So I called my doctor and I the, my, the same OB/GYN and I was like, I feel this tumor again or I feel this lump, whatever. And um and she got me set up with a um ultrasound and mammogram like within a I don't know a couple of days okay, or something. Good. And so I went in had the mammogram, was scheduled for the ultrasound right after. Oh, God, but that nurse, <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like they need to have training yeah. in the mammogram room <laughs> of, like, how not to look at patients. How not, when they, when you know they have cancer. Yes, because yes, so, I knew, too, by the look. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like there's, so I had the mammogram, and I was waiting for the ultrasound. And I still was like, well, this is, you know, a cyst or something like that. Um, right. In fact, my mom just a couple of months earlier had just had this like breast cancer scare where it turned out to be a cyst. And I was like, oh, it's it's probably a cyst, right? And um, but I was waiting and the nurse came out and was like and did this like head tilt. Oh gosh. The dreaded head tilt. And oh. she's like, it'll just be a few more minutes yeah. before your ultrasound. <laughs> and I was like, why is she tilting her head? <laughs> you know? And, um, and so, but they could tell from the mammogram, there were all these micro calcifications. Mm -hmm. um, so then by the time we got to ultrasound, they were basically just looking for confirmation. So, but I was really, you know, I feel like fortunate in the fact that I had a mammogram, I had an ultrasound, I had biopsies all in the same yeah. day. I had a diagnosis all in the same day. Oh, all in was, the same day. Yeah. I mean, that, That's they, fantastic. they knew... They knew it was cancer. Right. They didn't know the details of okay. it. So I basically went home knowing that I had cancer, um, which is kind of, I don't know. I mean, the waiting in so much of this journey is 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 just torturous, it's right? It's torturous. So I'm glad I didn't have that. Yeah. But it also is quite shocking quite to shocking. have all of that all in one day. Yeah. So, so they actually... Gave you the diagnosis, but said we can't give you the details yet. Is that how they? I don't think they have them yet, right? Like I'm trying to remember how it mm -hmm. all goes down with ultrasound, mammogram, then biopsy, mm -hmm. and they don't know staging and stuff till you get a scan. Is that is that what I'm? I think trying from to remember the, from the biopsy, like they couldn't tell me anything anything until they got pathology back from the biopsy, right. and then I ha went forward and had like an MRI and gosh, I don't even remember what else at this right. point, but um, to kind of complete all the staging information, um, career wise for I don't even remember how long, a, a very long time. I was a veterinary technician in internal medicine, and a lot of my job was sitting and holding animals during oh. uh, their radiology appointments. Oh, so for right. their ultrasounds, and um, and and so. Uh, I knew it's not like I could read ultrasounds, but I knew what a cyst looked like. Mm -hmm. I knew what a solid tumor looked like. I knew what like metastatic disease looked like on an ultrasound. And um, and I laid there and I was like watching the screen during the ultrasound. And um, and I was like, you know, she she was like going over the area and I was like, that's not a cyst. Oh, no. And I said it out loud. And the nurse, who was just fabulous, really good at what she did. Right. She goes, no, 
It's not. Oh, and oh. I. Oh my god, lost it. <laughs> like yeah. Uh, like 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 was that like the first time you let yourself like feel it and I mean it just was like I feel like this visceral like mm-hmm. you sort of do you ever think through like well how would I react in those in this big moment right yes <laughs> it was not even like I had it was just this visceral reaction I shot straight up I was like I don't even know like I think I like not screamed but like I really loudly like wailed oh. <laughs> like the four people in the waiting room. But um, but I just bawled, yeah. you know, and without I mean, it was just I had no control in that moment. And were you um, was anybody with you? Not at that moment. No. Yeah. So um, I have a I have a thing. I'm an anti ultrasound, MRI, mammogram, anything without a support person now. Yeah, I was the same way. Yeah. And so Julia had to go get a ultrasound one time. And I mm. think I had chemo. And or I had something and um, I literally had a panic attack Mm. because she was about to go. I I was like, she's going to have to go by herself. And I I have had many uh, ultrasound. um, And she's had lumps and she's had them removed and they've all been non-cancerous. But since she was 15 before I ever had cancer. Yeah. Wow. And so um, I literally went, oh, my God. And I just panicked. And And in my head, you know, I've done this before. Like, sure. Maybe she had come with me before. But that that. She cannot go alone. Yeah. Because I went alone. And you, you found went out alone. alone. Yeah. Yep. We got this bad information alone. And so was that when Michaela went with you? I Auntie Aww. Terry went took you one time and then Michaela went with you another. Yeah. But I've made sure she's had someone, even if it was Michaela, my little one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay, so they diagnosed you that day. You knew mm-hmm. when did they stage you? I mean, pretty soon after. I mean, we got pathology however soon after within two or three days or so and I still in my mind I would like go home and there was still this part of me where it hadn't sunk in yet where I'd be like no we're waiting to find out right right if I have cancer and then it would like again trip in my mind like oh well we already know apparently (laughs) like yeah Yeah. so so that you know we got pathology we got um an MRI I don't remember what else they do to stage you is that it I think that's it I remember doing my pathology and I think I did a CT, not an MRI, but then they oh. then they told me it was a two. Mine was a two B. Yeah. Yours was what? So, so that's <laughs> what mine was. Got really complicated. Okay, because I was told for the first four or five months that mine was two B. Okay, and right before surgery. Um, like a couple weeks before I was scheduled to have surgery and I'll, you know, I had chemo first and then surgery. Um, it changed to three B, I think, because what had happened was there was an issue with the transcription from the radiologist and instead of a three, I don't remember what it was with what it was transcribed as like a two and a half or three centimeter tumor or something like that. But it was six and a half oh, centimeters, wow. um, which dramatically changes. Absolutely. Your I was going to say, yeah, how, what? Yeah. Going back to what else could have been done? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> wow. Um, and so all along, I'm like, OK, well, I'm in the threshold where I can get a lumpectomy. You know what I mean? You kind of have these expectations and you make these plans and whatever. Um but yeah, so ultimately, you know, I had a very large tumor. Three, it ended up being—I don't even remember at this point. Three A, three B, right? It was three something, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah. So it's her two positive, 
Okay. Um, estrogen receptor positive, but progesterone receptor negative. Oh, so, okay. So you weren't um, triple positive. You were yep. double, but the not double, but yeah. not the ERPR. You right. were the ER her too. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. It, yeah. Invasive. Right. Whatever. Ductal Went thing. to your lymph nodes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I had four that were positive. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. So how did so. that difference in staging, did it um, change surgery at all or? It did. Or treatment, <laughs> treatment in general. Right. Yeah. How yeah. did your treatment yeah. plan change? Because you had done chemo already, right? Yeah. And you okay. were preparing to do surgery. Right. So did that affect, did they have to rethink how they were going to do things? Or? Yeah. And and last minute, I think that's a thing that was, was hard for me was like, you know, initially I was going and thinking I was going to do a lumpectomy um, and come to find out that I would need to do a full, at least single mastectomy. Um, but then at that point, it's like, how do you make that decision in this last moment? Right. Because then so much changes about your plan. It's like, do I do a single? Do I do a double? Right. Do I do reconstruction? Do I do this type of reconstruction? You, you know, like all this stuff is just like thrown all these decisions you. are thrown at you. Mm -hmm. and, and you don't exactly have the luxury of time on your side to no. make those decisions. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, by that time, ready to get that out of there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I had a long, I had to wait a, quite a bit of time to really recover from chemo to go into surgery to begin with. And like, I I was like, get it out of me. You yeah. know what I mean? So I ended up choosing a single mastectomy without reconstruction um, because at the, that point I could not fathom going in for any other type of treatment, like right. any other surgeries, any other like whatever. And reconstruction just felt super overwhelming to me at that point. And I'm right. anyway. So um, but kind of again, I feel like you, you make these decisions in the moment that you don't you do. know what they're going to mean later. Yep. But I love the decision that I made. Good. Like, I'm so glad like to hear that. Good. That so like, good. Like, thank God I, I, you know, yay, single mastectomy. I don't yeah. know why, but like, I, for the longest time, I wore a prosthetic mm -hmm. on the one side and, and then it just got super annoying and yeah. now I'm just asymmetrical. And I feel like that's one of the things to me that like, just for me, it feels like, I'm wearing my scars. Good for I'm you. like, yeah. I'm proud of my asymm asymmetry and I'm not like, you know, hugely endowed. So I'm not like, <laughs> it's not that big of a difference. But to me, it's, yeah. it's, you know, obvious in some, in some ways. And like, and to me, I'm like, I'm going to show the world what the hell I've been through because it was, you know what I mean? Like, this is who I am. And, for you. and it just, I don't know. And That's I, incredible. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. And like way to like own your power yeah. Yeah. and just love yourself fully. Yeah. 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 And love who you are, love your scars and yeah. just fully accept yourself. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And Thank I feel you. Like, I feel like we've seen so many women who end up, there's almost some some weird kind of shame that comes mm -hmm. along with surgery or yeah. be, or mm -hmm. staying flat after surgery, and you know yeah. people wondering, well, why didn't you get reconstructed? Why not? And mm -hmm. there's I've there's had no literally say, well, you get a new rack, and I'm well, like, exactly. Whoa. I'm exactly. like, that's not quite what happens. So yeah. Like, so yeah. you probably want to dig into the internalized misogyny that you're harboring and right. work through that, <laughs> right? And it's like it, that's such a burden to bear. Of like, I went through this 
super difficult thing came out the other side, but now I feel like I have to hide it from everyone for their comfort. And so being able to decide that of like, no, I'm comfortable this way. And and just, you know, this is my life and I'm going to, you know, wear my scars. Like you say, I just, that's amazing. How long do you think it took you to get there? Feeling that way about not wearing Mm -hmm. the prosthetic? Maybe a year and a half to two years. Good for you. I thought it would be longer. That's good. I mean, you know, the prosthetic (laughs) (laughs) like is not fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. It is not, at least for me, like it just was like, I spent more time worrying that I looked like that my prosthetic was moving around. You can only wear certain types of bras. Like it would move around and I'd be like, I don't know. I was so (laughs) self-conscious about like, whether my breasts looked asymmetrical and you with had the a, prosthetic. Yeah. And so I'm just like, you know, screw it. it. Like I'm yeah. taking it out and I'm just going to like, whatever. Good for wear you. It, yeah. Wear my body. And, um, and, and I think too, like there is this little hint of me and I felt the same way when my hair started growing back. Right. Was that like, now nobody knows. Nobody has like now, I don't know if this makes like I, I, I don't know I was if I'm say, the only how's a head trip on that though well, yeah like it's... I feel like when my hair grew back I was I was almost like sad mm-hmm. that nobody will look at me and just know yes mm-hmm. and for some reason there was a comfort mm-hmm. in that like in in people like I, I mean not in a narcissistic way at all like yeah. oh look at me like us be sad pity me like none of that stuff but it just felt like now everybody can can just go back to their own lives yep. and forget about it. Mm-hmm. And um and I feel like the breast thing is the same way for right. me. Is that right. for me it's like I almost like for my experience to be visible. Absolutely. In some way because it is it is not who I am, nope. but it it's makes part of you. me like yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a part of what has made me me and I'm freaking proud of that absolutely you know? because it As was a hard be. journey yeah. yeah exactly so i like having some sort of like visible mm-hmm. i mean again it's not that visible <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. no but i totally get that because we've talked about even with my experience just that you're no longer sick and yeah. you're recovering and your hair is coming back and all these things and you still are the cancer patient and mm-hmm. you still are going through the mental stuff and you're still going through all that, but because you look normal. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's what we talked yeah. about when we shared your story. It's mm-hmm. that pressure yeah. to go back to who you used to be yeah. and normal, normal yeah. to make everybody else comfortable. Right. Yeah. But you're right because you did go through something and you're not going to go back to that person. Mm-hmm. And I can see how you would be a little worried, like I'm not that person, mm-hmm. and you're afraid that people are going to see you looking normal again, mm-hmm. and, or I'm sorry, I hate that word normal, but normal, normal. Right. yeah, we're all doing looking quotes. like, yes. yeah, we're all doing air quotes, <laughs> um, the way that you used to be, yeah. or who you were before cancer, yeah. and you're never going to be that person again. Exactly, and I think it can kind of be a little scary to have to look at people in your life and go. Are you going to be here with the new me? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. you going to grow with me? Because I'm not that person anymore. Yeah, right. and it's like, when well, what do you Amen expect from me now? Do you expect me to be that person I was? Because mm-hmm. that person's no longer here. I, there's a piece of that in me, of course. But well, and also as a cancer like fighter and and thriver and survivor. Mm-hmm. 
how dare you expect anything from me? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who are you? But, but we do feel it. I yeah. mean, it, it's... And I remember you saying, too, afterwards, um, I think even after surgery, maybe after you had finished radiation, the fear of, I feel like people are going to forget me. Mm-hmm. I feel like people are mm-hmm. going to forget and move on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this doesn't affect their daily life like it does me. Well, and it's yeah. the little things like even now with chemo brain, we were talking beforehand mm-hmm. that you were saying it still affects you, it still affects me. You can hear it on the podcast when mm-hmm. I forget my words. Yep. And it's, um, it's real. And even our doctors will question it and stuff. But it's like, when you're Six years out. How many years out now? Five? Five. Five years out. Yeah. Five years out. Six years out. People are saying, you're a cancer survivor. Yes, we are. But we are still fighting these things. Exactly. We still have chemo brain. Mm-hmm. We still have fear. We still have these things that are lingering from our journey. Mm-hmm. I'll never be the person I was prior that person's a part of me. Yeah. But now I there's a whole new piece that we have to learn how to navigate. Yep. And yep. that. <laughs> yeah. It, I literally, I mean, I think, I feel like it's like we put on this backpack mm-hmm. that we will never be able to take off again. Like yeah. it's a it's a load. It's a mental load. It's wow, an emotional load. Yeah. It's a spiritual yeah. load. Like, and you literally, it is like sewn into your skin. Yeah. Right. That you, you never so right. get to take off. And that's You're constantly the thing carrying that I think something. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to like walk around with that and it's invisible. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's invisible. Yeah. Sees that and, no, and when unless we were, you've been through it and when we were bald, no. or if you are showing your scars or not yeah. or whatever, it's it when you have the visible signs, yeah. you don't really have to tell your story as much. Right. People look at you and know. Right. And now, People just look at us and we're just us. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know the story, they may not understand why we react this way or why what I you're dealing forget with. these words when I'm speaking sure. or, you yeah. know, whatever we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, after after surgery, mm-hmm. um, did you have to do any further treatment? Yeah, I, I did six weeks of radiation. Okay. Um, I also continued, be, continued uh, uh, chemo for like a full year because her two positive you have two typically i think this is still the standard but you have two that you have to do for an entire year okay i was going to ask that if we could touch on your chemo journey yeah yeah. so starting with chemo what did that look like did you have the standard three the adriamycin cytotoxin taxol or what did it look different for you boy no (laughs) i know i remember the i remember herceptin okay that's right because you're her two positive right? Herceptin yeah. and Pergetta. So it was and a totally different. I don't think I had adriamycin. Okay. I, I had, I'm pretty sure I had Taxol. Okay. And then I had, so I had four. Okay. I don't remember. That's I remember right. the her two ones because those were like the big yeah. ones that you have to do for a year. Yeah. Um, But I had four every three weeks for four months. I don't remember exactly how many treatments. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then you did your chemotherapy you had to stay on the two, correct, mm-hmm. for a year. Yep. So then you did surgery and radiation while you still had chemo. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's just wow. schedule. And those uh, two that you had to stay on were those oral oncolytics that you took at no, home or you went infusions. in for your infusions? They were all infusions every mm-hmm. three weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. And those were the HER2 positive specific mm-hmm. drugs. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then since you had estrogen positive, mm-hmm. did you go on a hormone blocker after? Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so I had sort of like a rocky like um, beginning, for a really rocky first couple of years with okay. the hormone treatment stuff because 
So what because I because it was aggressive and you know later yeah. stage and stuff like that okay. they basically wanted to treat me like as aggressively as possible. Okay. And so my doctor my oncologist recommended um like first a drug that would suppress my ovaries. Oh. Um so that they could give me the the hormone blocker that is typically given to postmenopausal women. Okay. Cuz premenopausal women oh. are given usually like tamoxifen. Postmenopausal women are given a different like type of drug. And so um so for a good two, two and a half years, I was on the ovary suppressing medicine um until I finally got my ovaries out. Okay. Um but I like basically had my ovaries out like kind of kicking and screaming because I did okay. not want to let go of them. Okay. I did not so want to like it was your doctors talking about doing that. I mean that was the, the that was their plan all along. Oh, okay. was ovaries out like I know a lot of people just get their ovaries out while they're getting their mastectomies like yeah. in the same position. You know they I would not like, no thank you. They would not even consider it with me. Oh. And I you begged, had to get them out? No, I begged for them out and they still to this oh. day I still have them. Oh, interesting. They would not take them out because mine okay. was not hormone um positive. Oh. And I said I don't care. Because yeah. triple negative is really likely to come back and on the ovaries, especially. And they, no. So, wow. And wow. to this day, they said, we didn't want to put you in early menopause. And I'm like, chemo did wow. that. Thank chemo you. Was already, yeah. <laughs> so now that you're here, can they go back? And do know, that's it? Now that that's no longer a concern. Yeah. Well, she's almost six, six years, years done. Yeah. So they probably wouldn't anyway. <laughs> well, at this point, yeah. 47, this should just take them. I'm not using them. <laughs> so throughout treatment and after, um, can you tell us what your support system looked like? Yeah. Um, I mean, especially during treatment, you know, like I said, my husband's family is here local. And so, you know, that was that was really helpful because my kids were so. I was going to say, how did you manage going to treatment three times a week with three little ones? Well, it was three. It was every three weeks for okay. infusions. Um, but it was still like, you don't, I mean, there's not a week that goes by where you don't have to go in for something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember hitting that point where I'm like looking at my schedule. It was always at the doctor's. And there was like literally a week without an appointment. Mm -hmm. I was like, what on earth am I going to do with all my yeah. time? But um, <laughs> anyway, so so that was helpful. My parents um, uh, during chemo did not live here, <laughs> but they flew here for every other chemo treatment. So they would just basically take over, right? Um, my husband, was, you know, he kind of took time from like family medical leave. So we kind of pieced together care. Oh, that's awesome. Um, he really stepped up in a lot of ways and kind of learned how to do a lot of the, you know, stay-at-home yeah. mom jobs. <laughs> um, and especially during that time. I mean, this is one of the, the biggest things I feel like probably top three, if not the greatest trauma that I walked away from my experience was I had to abruptly stop nursing my baby. And, um, oh. and, um, and so he took over sort of like nursing duties, you know <laughs> what I mean? Feeding duties, like, because I could not, um, I couldn't bring myself Take okay. it's okay. to it's do okay. it. Yeah. Even when, because me you and know, my son had never taken a bottle. Right. Um, but I couldn't, even when he would, I just couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't hold him in that position. 
Yeah. He took over a lot of that and really most of the brunt of sort of like being a a mom and a dad for our youngest. I know. Where are our tissues? Why do we not have tissues in here? (laughs) We've learned our lesson. I should have warned you. (laughs) I knew I was going to cry. Biggest mistake is we need tissues. We usually. Okay. Um, But, you know, different family coming in and out, um, supportive meals, things like that. Like we didn't, we weren't really connected with many people here at that point. And so I wouldn't say that we had tremendous support, but, but we definitely got through a family. I have Um, to say out of all my clients to this day, your husband stands out (laughs) because he's been the most involved. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have most of my clients their spouses don't get very involved. They don't do much unless it's a like I've had um, children of a cancer patient mm. who I deal with the them sure. because the parents too sick or something. But your husband was so involved mm. and I could text him and yeah. ask him questions and reach out about the meal train. And he was very involved. Oh, wow. Like everybody else yeah. just kind of, I deal with the client and I always ask if there's somebody else I can, so it doesn't have to always be them that mm-hmm. I can talk to. And most of my clients know. Yeah. Yeah. They're, your spouse was from our point of view. Yeah. He, he was really great. Yeah. I mean, he's really good at like jumping in and doing what needs to be done yeah. and sort of just like staying calm in stressful moments and yeah. just sort of like getting it powering well through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's really good at in crisis and things right. like that, doing doing those types of things. Um, so, yeah. Gosh. Um, While yeah. you were going through it, um, did you notice holes in the the system, the cancer journey, um, things um, like that. I mean, I I don't <laughs> – during treatment, I feel like that whole year, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like, for me, that I was wanting for anything. Okay, good. Like, I felt like I was sort of put on this, like, you know – you know those like what are they like conveyor the belt flat escalator oh oh yeah the, the people movers the people yeah. mover thing i'm like is that a conveyor belt? i don't know yeah. what they're called but yes <laughs> like those things i feel like okay you're you have breast cancer plop like here you are and, and like you're yes. just like going through and like you know you get off and here's you know now it's chemo and then like you get back on and okay and here's this step and like mm-hmm. you know what i mean i just was sort of like i'm along for the ride you right. know what i mean but but there were so many things that I feel like we're done well. Um, I was hooked up with like a social worker for a certain number of counseling appointments Good. through the hospital. I had a nurse navigator who was phenomenal. Oh, God. absolutely Good. phenomenal. Um, and like, I feel like between ways and all of those things, like, I don't know, like, I, I feel like <laughs> there are certainly things that I did not appreciate about <laughs> Um, I'm trying to be really tactful, but like, um, uh, it sucked. What happened? You know like, what I mean? Like, I I feel like within the med, it felt medical. Yes, you know what very I mean. Medical. And and I think that I would not expect any different. Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel personal a lot of the time. Yeah, and um, and I don't know that I can expect any different than that. Right. I think for me, what was really hard was like, okay, your year is up. You get off of that little people mover. You get off of the cancer mover. You're out of the, you know, quote, Your system. legs are wobbly when you get off. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Kind of dizzy mm-hmm. from the ride. Yeah. And then it's like, hooray. 
you're done. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell do I do now? Right. I have to go live this life that is completely foreign to me. Yeah. And and there's like nobody there on the other end to like catch you coming yeah. off. Guide you know you. what I mean? Yeah. At least for me, I don't feel like there was anybody there at the end. It's like it was supposed to be this big celebration. And I'm like, what the hell do I do now? Yeah. Like, how do I go and live this life? I cannot just go and there is no normal anymore. There is no life to go back to. Like, right. like I am in, a, in the middle. And I couldn't voice this then, but I can voice it now. Like, it was, I was like left off in this place where like everything behind me was grief and everything mm-hmm. in front of me was fear oh, and wow. what do you do with that yeah well and those are literally the two main ingredients for anxiety and depression oh, which is like a mental <laughs> you know mental health or a mental yeah. breakdown yeah. And mental health as, crisis waiting to happen amen. as much as i've thought about it all these years i was never able to put it in those words mm. and you put it exactly well exactly what it was i'm in therapy now come on like <laughs> I've, been, I've been there a year now and i didn't still come up with uh, that <laughs> i just like i and and i went to like towards the end of my treatment i, I mean ways hooked me up with mm-hmm. with you know a therapist for a while which yeah. was great it, it just was one of those things like for me i wasn't even able to access what just happened to yep. me in my mind or in my body like it, it i could i could go in and i could talk about like well, I don't know how to manage my schedule with my kids. I don't know yeah. how to, like, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't, we talked about grocery shopping. Well, I yeah. like the grocery yeah. shopping was a big deal. And like those things are kind of very normal to us. We're sure. used to these things, but at the time you're not. Mm-hmm. And you are just kind of, okay, you're done. And yeah. we don't know how to feel. Yeah. yeah. So how did you get back onto the road of Jesse? Oh, God. <laughs> Um, you mean have I or how? <laughs> I? Okay, you know what? There we go. Let's go back to <laughs> okay. Have I, because I would say. Well, I mean, you got I pants did. on today, so I well, mean, you're yeah. winning already. So I'm here, right? And yes. I, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's been to say it's been a journey is like a ridiculous understatement. But like, I think I did a lot of things in the interim that made me feel like. I was doing, I was living life. I was moving forward, even though what I, what I now realize. So I'm five, a little over five years out of my mastectomy date, which is when I sort of, it's, you know, I don't know if you do this too. I would say the dates are always so confusing. Yeah. Well, I feel like my mastectomy date is the date when I, Every year, where I'm like, I can celebrate. On I got that rid day of that cancer. That tumor it's left like my body. Cancer free. Mm-hmm. I, I got rid of it. Right. My diagnosis day is very different. That's mm-hmm. like my grieving day. I do my that dark too. day. You yep. know. And then so anyway, so I'm a little over five years out from my mastectomy date. Um, but like, it's really only been in the last year that I have been able to turn and reflect. Like everything else. I've realized now everything else has been like, I got to push through. I'm going to look forward. I'm never going to look back. I'm going to look forward. I'm going to tackle this. Like, you know what I mean? Everything was about control. Mm -hmm. I had no clue who I was. I had no clue what I was doing. I had no, you know what I mean? It just was. And then, and I don't know. And so I look back and see so many things that I did that were just grasping for some sense of control. Because I certainly had that experience of like, I have my life again. 
if I'm going to live this life, it's going to be an effing beautiful one. Yep. It's going to be exactly what I've always wanted it to be. It's going to be this, which honestly is a lot of pressure to it put is on yourself. Yeah. And especially at a time when like it's so much pressure, you already have this, you know, weighty backpack that you're carrying around, right? Like it's so much pressure that we put on ourselves to say like, Oh, my life has to be the the best. I'm going to live the best life I've ever lived. But how do you do that? Well, and I'm right. sure that probably your best life before cancer and your best life after cancer you look very different. different. And, and you we don't, don't know what you're walking I into. I was going to say, you don't know what that even looks like or right. what you're supposed to want it to look like. Well, and I just realized I made the mistake of, you know, I said, you know, how did you get yourself back? Mm-hmm. After I'm... I said, you're not coming back. So I no, guess... like No, I totally understand what yeah. you're saying, though. Like, be, And I do feel like there is a part of me that... um, And if I can, you know, just reference my therapist over and over and over again in this, like... Please do. Like, she asked the other day, like, if you could go back and fill a backpack with the things of, like, her, younger Jessie, oh. pre-cancer Jessie, all, all the things that, like, you feel like you're grieving, like... What would you bring with you into this now, Jesse? And I'm like, interesting. I don't actually know because yeah. the things that I have grown in have only happened because I had cancer. And yep. I'm like, I don't know. Isn't that huge? Like, and, huge. and your therapist is like, yeah. job security, great. Oh, she's amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so good. good. I'm trauma informed therapist. Oh. You're so good. And I feel like that makes so much sense of why um, sort of after treatment, going back to like your quote normal life Mm -hmm. feels so unfamiliar Mm -hmm. and it feels so foreign because you don't sometimes even have all the pieces of you after after treatment. So to have to go do, you know, school drop-offs and make lunches and go Mm, grocery shopping and clean the house, I you know, it makes sense that everything feels so different and And, you know i feel like a lot of people would look at someone who has survived cancer and say like well how are you not jumping up and screaming like oh my Mm -hmm. gosh i'm alive i'm alive i had a penny for every time i heard that yeah and that's not you know just because someone made it through something so difficult doesn't mean that it wasn't traumatic right exactly extremely traumatic and that's what finally landed me in therapy like and i i've tried a couple of therapists throughout the years because i i recognize my (laughs) level of anxiety (laughs) and all these things and my need for support and help and stuff um and it just wasn't until recently that i could actually feel like i i wanted to and was ready and willing to to access to to look back and reflect to access that trauma and um yeah that's a big <laughs> again thing. when you're ready to do the work yeah, right and that's it yeah. we talked about that on my spotlight about just when you're ready you're ready and finding mm-hmm. your own journey mm-hmm. but that's something we want people to hear on this podcast yes. too because we have gone through this and felt the pressure and the stress of going back to normal life and mm-hmm. blah 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 and all the expectations but if someone can hear us talk about this and realize that it's normal to feel this way, yeah. you're not crazy. Yeah, It's the most of us, majority of us feel this way. Mm-hmm. And I never knew that until I started talking to you guys yeah. and other clients and stuff. And it's like, oh, I'm not crazy. Yeah, I am just living in fear. I've had some trauma and I need to work through this. Right, And it took me till a year ago to get into therapy. And so you're up there on me well (laughs) and if if anything you know a a lot of times um when someone's been through a very traumatic situation um and you 
can't access that, you know, traumatic event that happened, it's typically, you know, due to your brain trying to protect you and mm, trying to, right. it's it's still in survival mode. And it's like, no, no, we'll get there when we get there. Mm-hmm. You're not ready yet. This mm-hmm. traumatic thing is is too hard right yeah. now. Well, because healing comes with a lot of a variety of emotions. Right. And healing isn't always Fun. happy and positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you got to, it's, it's not hard. a straight line either. No. no. And like you were saying, you know, your anger, mm-hmm. you were angry and you had yeah. every right to be angry. Yeah. And I, I, are you, I mean, I hate, I don't, I hate to ask, are you still angry? Cause I mean, I'm sure there has to, there have to be moments when that anger hits you. Yeah. And do you feel like you're, do you feel like, are you comfortable with your anger? Like, or do you feel like, oh, I shouldn't feel this and I need to push it aside? I mean, I feel almost like too comfortable with my anger. Okay, okay. (laughs) You know, I I think that's one of the things like, I'm not angry like I used to be. I'm not angry. I don't feel like I'm, you know, I mean, I feel like it's like kind of classic grief stuff is like, you know, kind of this sense of blame. Like somebody needs to be not, not be blamed, but um, like, I don't know. Like I was angry at the medical establishment. Mm-hmm. I was angry at myself really more than anything. And and that's the one that's really hard to get through. It's like the anger at myself. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I know better? Why didn't I, you know what I mean? Like kind of that inner critic. Sure. Um, and that's, you know, again, something that I am seeing and, and working through a lot. But, um, but I, I think that in a lot of ways, anger initially really compelled me or propelled me forward okay. you know what i mean and um like i've got to do something about this yeah. you know what i, I like mean? to call I, it righteous fury yeah. <laughs> Ooh, i like that yes. I would say, i'm not angry i'm righteously furious i love that <laughs> but i turned a lot of that again into like control mm-hmm. um where like the the grief and the fear and all of that that was building up inside like um I was, you know, and again, it's like my kids were so young. I feel like I, I, I always have to kind of pause and give compassion to myself mm-hmm. in my earlier, you know, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago self, because like in a lot of ways, like what else could I have done? Right. I was like, I got off of the conveyor belt and I landed right back in my family. Mm-hmm. When, and I had well, a and you were given and baby. I had a five-year-old and a, a three-year-old. Right. You know what I mean? They're small and they need a lot. And and so I feel like it, I just, I don't know. Like I I just went forward with what I needed to do mm-hmm. as a mom. Yeah. And, and I took that and I went and learned how to be a better mom. But um, I think that there's still a lot of... Um, just remnant of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's almost like you're given a toolbox mm. and you you go into your toolbox to get a tool you need. You need a hammer and you have a mallet. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to figure out how to get a hammer. And it's just, it's adding to the toolbox to access the tools that you need. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And it, it takes time and self, self-forgiveness, self-compassion. Um, and I'm... Working with I hope you, you keep have. getting I hope like, you keep working on that. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Sarah said, you know, meeting yourself meeting where you where you're are. At. Yeah. Right. yeah, meeting yourself where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I feel really fortunate to have gotten to the point where I am at five years because 
Like there were so many times when I'm like, I know that this is a process. Like I mm-hmm. know intuitively, I know in my brain that this will be a pro- process of growth that I have to grow into. But God, please give me that time to be able right. to do it. Right. Yeah. Give me the time on earth to be able to actually become the person that I've wanted to be. And I right. feel fortunate. Like fi- I feel like five years is a huge milestone, huge milestone. for her too. And I think for yeah. a triple, um, triple negative. negative too, They're huge it's a milestones. huge milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I feel like it's just, um, yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, during your journey, whether it was through treatment or um, after while you're kind of dealing with the mental health aspects and stuff, did you find any outlets, anything that you did on a regular basis or support groups or yoga, meditation, anything like that that you used, used as outlets? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, food really became like my biggest lifeline, yes. I would say. And um, and I, I think that like I, I'm kind of the type of personality who like I it's not that I love being alone all the time, but like I feel like you value your alone time. These mm-hmm. types of situations really turn me more inward and introspective. Yeah. And it's, it really makes it hard. I, I, I have a hard time like until I'm like ready being a part of a bigger, you know, group and things. And so now I look back and there's a lot of me that I'm like, I wish I would have been a part of a support group all Mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I have really needed the time also to be more inward and things. So, but food, um, nutrition, like I kind of got to this point where I, like prior, I was really living what I call the Taco Bell life. Like I was all about, (laughs) you know, I mean, just, I just was not the healthiest. Right. And, um, and, um, but, midway kind of I guess it was after surgery really when I was starting to look forward into the like hormonal aspect of this which was the part that I was looking forward to the least or that I was most fearful of um being put into menopause um I started I don't know I read somewhere that like the foods you eat can act like you know estrogen in the body and I was like in my mind coming up with all these things about how to manage my own I, I don't know like cancer yeah. and things like that and um but anyway it set me on this road of looking at how food impacts the body right. how lifestyle impacts the body like um body mind you know connection like all of these things um and um so I kind of grabbed a hold of that nutrition piece nice. and again if like that was the piece that I could control right um and it because it's like i don't know your experience but it's like i kept being like why i would go into my doctor all of the different you know thousands of doctors that you have right and i'd be like why do you think i have cancer and i think oh. they would hear <laughs> why me and that's not what i was asking no. you know what i mean and i was asking why physiologically speaking why did I... how does this happen yes. you know i'm 36 like i need to know details here but nobody could say that. And they would right. respond in this like, oh, it's it's nothing you did. You know what I mean? Like, it's not you. Like, they would hear me saying, why me? Like, you what, did, what, I mean? I and what did I do? And that's what you were causing Exactly. Yeah. And, and they'd be like, it's, you know, nothing you did. Like, these things happen. And I'm just like, okay. But what you're saying is that if these things just happen, then I have absolutely nothing on the other side of this right. to hold on to. Right. To say, to help me have it not come back exactly and think about that that makes so much sense it's like and i mean maybe that's twisted i'm not even sure but it's like i totally hear that rational conclusion in Mm -hmm. my mind was like if you're telling me i didn't do anything then that means i can't do anything to keep it from coming back yep yeah um 
And that's why I really latched on to like food and lifestyle stuff, yeah. nutrition, like all the, you know, like cruciferous vegetables and yeah. all these things like um and uh and 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 that's where I've been really for the last few years. It's like I I became a holistic nutritionist and I started coaching clients and you know, all this stuff um because it became this passion. Like food yeah. gave me hope. That's you know awesome. what I mean? Like food or I would say food was hope. You know, it was yeah. kind of hope personified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because nothing else could do that. Nobody could say, like, oh, well, here, you know, take this thing or do this right. thing or whatever. And no doctors were willing to say that anyway. But like, um, it just felt like I would leave the oncologist office feeling like, I don't know, Empty. like it's just left off, mm-hmm. left to chance. Yeah. And or I like you went to your to appointment leave. hoping for like a little bit of good news, a little bit of hope, and you left there feeling hopeless totally. they, they exactly. could never i remember never feeling like i got a solid answer mm-hmm. on what can i do exactly to make sure this doesn't come back and mm-hmm. i know they can't just say we'll do this and it won't come back right. but because they're so afraid there of was still no directing me to a nutritionist mm-hmm. there was no directing me to integrative medicine mm-hmm. there was no di- and sutter has all that right but yeah. i wasn't even being directed to our own resources yeah and so you're left I was floundering in yeah. the world of plant-based and this and that. And <laughs> I tried knowing, that too. Oh. <laughs> I watched a documentary and then I'm like, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like, because what else can you do? You're you're out there like grasping for mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And you're going to grab a hold of the first thing that looks like light, that yes. looks like hope. And we need that. And But that's something I feel like we also like end up spending, wasting so much of our time, yeah. like investing in these things when just a really good, like knowledgeable person to talk to yeah. would have been really helpful, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, so I really swung really far to kind of to this extreme end of nutrition where like food that I, I would, I would, I mean, I don't know. I would call myself like I had orthorexic tendencies. Orthorexia okay. is like basically an, you know, disordered eating where you have an, an unhealthy obsession with healthy okay. food. Um, okay. And and that's where I really swung way to that end where like I was, I was petrified to put anything into my body, to touch plastic, to oh my eat gosh. sugar, to like any of these things. You know what I mean? That like, I've been there and I have, and, and, and I have not had a cancer diagnosis yeah. and mm-hmm. I've lived with that fear. Yeah. I can't imagine what that fear is like with that diagnosis. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Because you, it's like, you know, these certain things like, okay, well, studies show blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. But no studies show like what quantity of yeah, right. junk food I can consume. And, right. That, and when and, you're not given any sort of um, guidance, you yeah. know, they can't give you a, well, these are some things that you can do and incorporate into your life to lower the chances of a reoccurrence based on whatever. Yeah. There, there's nothing See, like and that. And you I just want sounded so rational. So you go, you go I just wanted someone thing. to tell me it's okay to have 10 Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not 12, right. just 10. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I don't think I'm being unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the hard thing is there's nobody, a lot of the doctors aren't, okay, First of all, from what I've been told in the oncology field, and I'm sure any specialty, they're not, they get a really quick course on diet. So that's not their focus. Mm -hmm. Their focus is saving you from the cancer. And I thank them for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But 
but right we there needs to be a bridge there needs to be a transition there needs to be something between the cancer diagnosis and and the um transition into quote-unquote normal world yeah you know there there has to be a better way yeah for us to transition to bring it back to your toolbox you know Mm. metaphor it's like when you're not given any tools at yeah. all, mm-hmm. you kind of end up making your own. Yeah, it's such and a they, beautiful way of putting that. And they sometimes way. work to some extent and sometimes they don't at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're kind of left yeah. creating your own tools, you mm-hmm. know, when you're really fighting for survival. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You triggered me when you said plastic. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it's like I went through this whole getting rid of all the plastic, getting rid of like stainless steel pans, only yes. no coating yeah. on any pans we use, yep. at wooden spoons. Like I was very, very nutty. And I still carry a lot of that with us, Yeah, but not as much. Like I'll put my leftovers in plastic and in the fridge, but they will not go in the microwave. Sure, <laughs> There's <yeah>. no way. <laughs> but, you know, it's like you, there's so many, can I drink water from a tap? Yeah, you right. Know, can I, yep. can I, you know, it, can it, I use any deodorant at the store? Or do I have to change, right. you know, and go Which to? Which we've changed. Mm-hmm. We've changed yep. to, you know, all natural. And so there's things that have carried with us. And then there's things I had to let go yeah. because it was just well, way too much. How do you much. live your life? And that's the thing. It's like, for me, I kind of got to a point where I was like, very, I mean, I was like hyper vigilant about all these things to the point that I was creating this tremendous amount of stress yeah. in my body. And I, and that's I'm like, well, to avoid. I don't, I can't, I, I can have these foods, but I also can't be stressed and I can't, I, you know what I mean? I just yeah. was like, I've, I've got to be able to live. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that I've given up any of the, like, no. the nutrition stuff. Like I still really adhere to like tried and true, <laughs> you know, like important things, yeah. right? Yeah. But I also um, have learned to let a lot go. Mm-hmm. And um, and and that's the thing, like for me, I, I realized like, I don't know, a few months to a year ago that mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not happy. Oh. Like I'm, I'm this cancer survivor mm-hmm. and we're supposed to take life by the reins and we're supposed to like live it to its fullest. Yeah. But I, that's, again, it's a huge amount of pressure. Yeah. I don't, and I'm like, I don't know how to be happy. I'm, I'm still stuck right in the middle between grief and fear. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm doing all these things to manage my fear. Right. That, but that's causing stress and anxiety. It's just, it's like this vicious cycle that Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've, I've got it. I, I, this isn't life, you know? Well, do you ever want to look at him and go, listen, Linda? (laughs) <laughs> you don't have a cancer diagnosis right. and you're not happy. So <laughs> what's your excuse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do um I just realized because you were you hit your five years and that's when I started breaking down. Mm. And so I was coming up on my five years and I had worked myself up yeah. really bad. I mean, you can only go so long like that, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I feel like it was something about that not taking care of my mental health prior. And then that five-year anniversary, I was terrified of the doctors letting go of me. Mm. And um, that's when I realized I had a mini mental breakdown last year and realized I had to do something. Oh, girl. And so I'm just realizing, I'm thinking, well, you're at your five-year. And I just had a breakdown. Like quite literally, I was in the ER with a panic attack. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. No, I mean, this is what, to me, this is what like almost needed to happen to like, 
I don't know. It needed to happen. It's so weird. It's like something severe has to happen and it snaps us into, okay, now I need to take care of my mental health. But it's like we fight it for so long Mm -hmm. going, okay, I'm... But it's like, you know, you you fight it for so long and you are trying to be normal, quote unquote normal. And we put on this facade for a really long time. And I don't know why we do that to ourselves. But it's it's what happened to me. Because it's how you've been um, conditioned in society. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you probably felt like, oh, I ha- I'm I know that you went through something. You know, I'm a mom to little kids. I have to mm-hmm. go home and be a mom to little yeah, kids. Exactly. And I'm a survivor. A survivor. I have to be happy. I have to do yeah. all the things and be grateful and I have to play know. that role. And don't talk yep. about cancer too much, right? Well, right. that's, that's you're the one bug for people. me. Exactly. That mm-hmm. I always felt like if I brought it up, oh, she's talking about it again. Yeah. Nobody ever said that to me, but that was a sentiment. That was what mm-hmm. I always felt was like, I was never I, told that yeah. except from. A friend of Tay's said, you have to tell her she can't talk about it all the time. And I said, and Tay told me that. And I said, what? You can't tell me that. And I was still in treatment when they said that. Oh, I wasn't even out of treatment. And I was like, what do you mean? It's all that runs through my brain. Like, I'm trying to live my life. And in the middle of treatment, too. Like, you should be able to talk (laughs) as much as you need to. And I'm sure as the family and friends, it gets overwhelming and tiring. But they're also not the ones dealing with it on a daily basis, you know. And it's any reasonable friend or family member is going to let you Mm-hmm. rant and vent and whatever and we know it's too much when it's too much but it's a process we have to go through yeah you i know? think there probably was a better way to say it of like i feel like you're in a place right now where all you can focus on is your fear and grief right yeah how can i help you get to a place where you can find some hope and find, find some, you know how can i or... help you get your mind yeah. off of your fear and grief instead right. of just like you need to stop talking about it and you know? being willing yeah. to accept to like also if the answer is like, i'm not there i'm not there yet yeah. like i'm i'm in the darkest in the midst of, of it pits mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now you know what i mean and yeah um do you feel like since i mean i know you've just recently started you know therapy do you feel like you you were getting you're on your way to a point of finding balance between your your fear, your passion for nutrition, your you know. Do, are absolutely. you finding? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's like it it feels like freedom, you know. Like it makes me so happy to hear. Like, I, I mean, I'm not like I can't say that I'm there. You know what I mean? But I I think I've been. I, I really realized, especially the food stuff, like about a year ago, and have been working towards that for sometime and um and i don't know like i i think it's probably going to take me a long time but i do feel like i don't i i kept questioning i i would always question or ask myself like let's say that it came back let's say that the cancer came back and i have been extremely diligent about every single thing when even if you are extremely diligent about everything we are in a modern world yeah and there is crap all around us that we literally cannot avoid and we can't Mm -hmm. control and we have to do our best and whatever but like we can't do everything we're not in control of everything and so um so i just feel like um i started to let go of some of those things but if I were to say, like, would I rather be extremely hypervigilant about every little thing and survive or live a comfortable balance 
with freedom Mm -hmm. of food and and actually like start learning what it feels like to be happy yeah i would much rather have that quality of life absolutely and and i'm not saying that that would mean that my cancer would come back but like i would be happy yeah with that life yeah you know what i mean as opposed to like oh i'm gonna live all these years but i'm but being happy exactly i'm i'm stressed and i'm anxious and i'm like constantly on the verge of a breakdown like so yeah i would much rather have that freedom and control and i feel like i've been on that road for a while and i think that like just the last few months have really just been tremendous towards that end you know god i'm so glad to hear that i'm so glad i know i i feel like i was at that place at the end of last year and it was just it was just so um I I didn't even feel in control of anything, mm-hmm. anything at all, except getting myself to my psychiatrist and to a yeah. therapist. Yep. Yeah. And that totally. was that was the only thing I could control. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it's been, I mean, it's literally been a year, like in a couple of weeks yeah. that I think like in a week, it's been a year that I've been in therapy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so proud of that now. Yes. I'm like, you know what? Like, okay, it took me a while to get there. Yep. But we... Uh, we have to do something for ourselves, but it has to be when you're ready. Right. Yeah. You know, you have yeah. to accept it. And now you're on yeah. that path and yeah. Yeah. you've started doing that for yourself. So, yeah. and I think good like job. when you like go through treatment, like all the focus is on treatment. Mm-hmm. Like all the, I think all the kind of the world's focus, like about cancer, is like how hard treatment is. Yes. But I feel like it really, like, I don't know. It's it, almost the. It's, it's almost weird. the easier part. Okay, I was yes. gonna say I was weird the to physical, say, but almost the easy part. The physical part is hard, but mm-hmm. it's easier because you know that it will end. Yeah, and like, you're being told this is what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. These are the days you're gonna do it. Right, and you're in fight mode. Yeah. For those better half of a year, mm-hmm. you're in fight mode in whatever stage of treatment you're in, and so when fight mode is over. Mm-hmm. What am I doing now? Mm-hmm. Now I'm just going to sit here and wait for it to come back? Oh, uh-uh. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to be done with treatment. Right, I was going to exactly. say, it's it's almost like you guys were not ready to let go of that fight mode mm-hmm. and not ready to finish Absolutely. survival mode and mm-hmm. now are getting to a place where you're like, okay, I don't just want to survive. I right. want to live again. Yeah. I want to be happy. I want mm-hmm. my quality of life back. And it makes me wonder how many of us out there are this far out in our journeys and just getting a grasp on the mental health part of it. Yeah. You know, I um, was on Instagram and there's a magazine that I follow on there, Wildlife Breast Cancer uh, Magazine. And they they just, they're doing a podcast as well, but they just went through this whole transition from treatment to yeah. to living after treatment. And what a big, what a huge, like, block that is sometimes mm-hmm. getting through to that you know like you said living between fear and grief yeah. and so it's like you know this is so much bigger than so many people realize yeah and i feel like if the mental health aspect is treated at the same time oh as the cancer journey yep if that immediately was part of the process yeah. that you start seeing somebody, even if it's just once in a while or whatever, but you're starting to see someone from the get-go, mm-hmm. me and that was just part of your treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Because they have a treatment plan for us, for everything right. else. Exactly. Why don't we have the mental health in there too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just talking to one of the nurses that I work with this week, and she was showing me the NCCN 
website Mm -hmm. and how they have different guidelines for different types of cancer. And so if you have been diagnosed, you can go on there, look at what to expect, Mm -hmm. kind of what normal treatment is. But there is also a section on there that talks about what to expect like the mental, well, just oh, while you're dearly. going through oh, it, that no, these things that you're feeling yeah. are normal, right? You are not alone. And I just, I looked at her and I was like, I'm yeah. so glad that you're here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I am so glad that you are sharing this with your patients. Mm-hmm. Yes. Preemptively. Yes. Yeah. At their chemo right. teach or their chemo ed. Yep. They're t- she's sitting down with them and saying, that is Here's fantastic. Thing. So if anybody, yeah, if anybody is listening, it's just nccn.com or .org. I apologize. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's on there awesome. for a- anybody to look up and use uh, as a free resource. Is- it's like my favorite place <laughs> all through chemo was the infusion center. Yeah. Because I felt so at home there. Like the nurses were never afraid to ask me questions. They were right. never afraid to talk about the mm-hmm. cancer. They were never mm-hmm. afraid to ask me hard things or like, yeah. you know what I mean? I feel like it was so safe like they got that mental piece and when we're there we were fighting yeah when you're there you're getting that drug that's fighting that cancer mm. and i remember never being sad to go to camp chemo no no it's so it was, weird to say well and i feel like by the time at least for me like every three weeks like by the time i went again i felt fine okay so it's like you know i would have a really hard week and a half and then i would go back and i'd be like oh these are my like favorite i mean right. you know these nurses are just I was so gifted at what they do, yeah. but like I would feel fine. So I'd go in there like feeling like, you know, yeah. normal. Right. And um and and just it was basically like a support group, yeah. I feel like. You totally. know what I mean? Because they're just they were phenomenal. Probably yeah. a place where you don't have to put up as much of a front. Totally. You're like, okay, they get it. Yeah. They're not afraid of me. They're exactly. not afraid to offend me. Exactly. You probably feel a little bit more comfortable and safe there than mm-hmm. maybe going to like a family thing and you're like, okay, right. everyone's going to be awkward. Everyone's going to. Everybody was. You know, so I have to put a Everybody's going to be walking on eggshells. I have like to pretend to be okay. Fine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so today you're, well, a little over five years. Mm-hmm. What is life looking like now How, with the kids, with the family, with work? What does it all look like now? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, so I decided to take, so I have been working part-time as a like nutrition. So my job is a nutritional therapy practitioner and I, um, am taking a break from that actually starting yesterday. I finished my last thing that I, my last commitment. Okay. So I'm taking a six month break. Very nice. Um, because I just felt like, you know, I have been, again, sort of just in this like hypervigilant, like stressed state. And right. I, I feel like I want to just try being more present with my kids and, nice. um, and, and focus more again on my mental health. I feel like, uh, you know, therapy, things like that. Um, I was recently selected to like my kids school board. Like, oh, so I just, congratulations. like, like I'm, I'm living a life that is, that I want to live, you Good. know what I mean? Good. And, um, and and moving forward in that freedom and um yeah That's so nice so good my daughter my oldest daughter is just almost 10 and oh, it just is oh, like a wow. crazy world is she you going know? into fifth 
Fourth. Fourth. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mine's 10 and going into fifth. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And think about how little they were when this I all know. started. It's you wild. Know? And like our little ones, I mean, my big ones were older, but my little ones grew up yeah. with mom going through cancer. Yeah. You know, it's just something that happened. It's not even, it wasn't this big thing. They just grew well, up. Well, you're little it. that well, caught yeah. that yeah. was the beginning yeah. of all of this is going into first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she just when you just said that, I was like, wait, what? That yeah. that's how much time has gone by. Yeah. She was two yeah. months old now going to first grade. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Man. Gosh. Well, I am just so excited that you came in and talked to us Thank today. Thank you for being so open so and vulnerable yeah. and just really being, you know, sharing your honest story with us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. I really think that these type of stories are just what other cancer patients, survivors, thrivers need to hear yeah. because it isn't what everyone thinks it is. No. And we, I never knew that I wasn't crazy until I went to a support group. Mm-hmm. And if I had a podcast back then that I knew of, I would have listened to it. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. I, I remember getting on my fa- first Facebook group for triple negative breast cancer and being like, you're my people. Yeah. I finally <laughs> found my people, you know, because I could talk about things that, you know, they understood and stuff. So it's like, you know, had I had a podcast to listen to and and give me some insight prior to mm-hmm. my journey, yeah. you know, or during my journey, it would have just helped out so much more. So your story is huge for us. Mm, and it's you. just such a blessing to have you here today. Yeah, it's been a huge honor. Oh, thank and we you. hope thank that, you, you know, you coming on and just being able to open up in a in a safe space and, you know, share with us, you know, we hope it just, it also serves you as well. Absolutely. Oh, it totally does. <laughs> Yay, like I, I will talk about my experience all day long because, yeah. you know, it's just, I, I, it's life giving for me yeah. to be able to reflect, especially in a room of people who get it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah. oh. Well, well thank, thank you so much for being here, Jesse. We appreciate you and love you and hope to have you back someday. That would be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you you guys for listening. And if you have anybody that you would like to spotlight, or if you are a spotlighter, a survivor, thriver, please send your story to podcast at weareyoursupport.com. And follow us on all of our social medias at LTFC underscore podcast. And on YouTube, you can watch us at LTFC underscore podcast and follow us on and follow us, subscribe and review us on Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, Amazon, Amazon, (laughs) and um, all the podcasting platforms. (laughs) podcasting (laughs) platforms. And we will see you next week with our tips and tricks. Can't wait. Talk to you then. All right. Bye-bye.